Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can ask you can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text for the day. <clears throat> My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And that's the recorded portion. We do go on for another hour after that. Today, we're continuing our reading with the Principles of Miracles, the first section of the first chapter, and we'll be reading Miracle Principles 44 through 49. And uh, at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Lesson number nine, I see nothing as it is now. And uh, as we have been, we'll be, I'll ask for a volunteer who would like to read that lesson, or <laughs> really read the uh, the summary of that lesson, as it is in, uh, I believe it's in lesson 52, um, from that first review, <clears throat> and touch in with the lesson that so, lesson number nine, I see nothing as it is now. Okay. This uh, review of the reading list right now. What I have with us in reading, I have... Uh, Charles, Diana, Lori, Jessica, and Donna. With this and listening, I have Judy, Lana, and Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to just say good morning or join the reading list? Okay. And uh, anyone who'd like to volunteer to lead the lesson this morning? Right. Charles here. I can volunteer. Very good, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Shall I read it now or? No, at the top of the hour. After we read. Up the hour. Okay. Thank you. 
the just trying to have an unintroduced moment of silence and uh, <laughs> I, and I was thinking that the this the lesson that was my intro for that um, it could be viewed as an invitation to wonder I see nothing now. Okay, well, I think I'll go ahead and get a, get the reading started here with Miracle Principle 44. We, the paragraphs are 71 through 81. Um, definitely prefer the emphasis on the Miracle Principle number. <laughs> principle 44. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creation with their creator. Charles. Thanks, Lemoyne. 71. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The personal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. 72. The miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger he becomes your brother. Amen. Thank you, Charles. And Diana. Hi, good morning. Miracle Principle 45, Paragraph 72. The principle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Miracle Principle 46, Paragraph 73. A miracle is never lost. It touches many people you do not even know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes in forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. Thank you, Diana and Lori. You're welcome. Welcome uh, back, Miracle Lori. Principle 40, 
Thank you. A miracle principle 46. A miracle is never lost. It touches many people you do not either know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes in forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. Paragraph 74, the miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace, but the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Thank you, Lori. And Jessica. Thanks, Lemoyne. Paragraph 46, I mean, Miracle Principle 46, paragraph 74. The miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace. But the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Principle 47. Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are the essentials for, quote, listen, learn, and do, unquote. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which must be Christ-controlled. The other two, which are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Paragraph 75. Miracle 47. Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are the essentials for listen, learn, and do. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which must be Christ-controlled. The other two, which are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. Paragraph 76, Miracle 48. All is an inappropriate response to miracles.
Thank you, Donna. Is there a new reader who would like to continue with uh, Principle 48, 76, and 7? Hi, I'm ready. <laughs> Judy? Yes, thank okay. you, Lemoyne. I'm ready. 48, Principle 48, 76. Awe is an inappropriate response to miracles. 77, revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. Awe should be reserved for revelation, to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before a greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader who would like to continue with 7778? This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. <coughs> 77. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. Awe should be reserved for revelation to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before a greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. 78. The miracle, on the other hand, is a sign of love among equals. Equals cannot be in awe of one another because awe implies in in equality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of obedience for his greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and also a, and also to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us, as yet, is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness, which is only a potential in you. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader who would like to 
carry on. 78, 79. Another new reader for 78 and 79. Okay, uh, back to you, Charles. Paragraph 78. The miracle, on the other hand, is a sign of love, of love among equals. Equals cannot be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of, and a reasonable amount of obedience for his greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and also to devotion, if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us as yet is I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness which is only a potential in you. Paragraph 79. Quote, No man cometh to the Father but by me. Unquote. Is, the mo is among the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time which does not really exist at all. Actually, the quotation is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarded along the vertical, man stands below me and I stand below God. In the process of rising up, quote and unquote, I am higher. This is because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. Amen. Thank you, Carol. And Diana. Hello. Paragraph 79, quote, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, unquote, is among the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time, which really does not exist at all. Actually, the quotation is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarding along the vertical man stands below me, and I stand below God. In the process of rising up, quote, unquote, I am higher, 
This is because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. Paragraph 80. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has helped me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, quote, I and my father are one, unquote, but there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the father is greater. The original statement was, quote, are of one kind, unquote. The Holy Spirit is the big of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Lori. Of paragraph 80. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, quote, I and my father are one. End quote. But there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the Father is greater. The original statement was, are of one kind. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Okay, um, Jessica, would you continue? Okay, paragraph 80, yeah. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, quote, I and my brother, I mean, I and my father are one. But there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the father is greater. The original statement was, quote, are of one kind, unquote. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert 
to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Principle 49. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna, if you conclude with 81. Paragraph 81, Miracle Principle 49. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When a man returns, when man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Uh, Thank you, Donna. And uh, let me ask directly. Sandra, would you like to repeat Principle 49, Paragraph 81? Sure. Um, I have a little squeaky dog here, but... (laughs) Um, maybe I can hide this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Thank you, Sandra. And 
Hmm. <laughs> this is already pretty pithy in its principles, so I'm a little sure it's really attempting to summarize it, but I, I will do this. Thanks. All right, Miracle Principle principle 44. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creation with their creator. Principle 45, the miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Principle 46, a miracle is never lost. The miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where Christ grace is. But only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Yeah, called the ad because he knows where it will be received. <clears throat> Principle 47, miracle-mindedness means miracle-readiness. Readiness means you should always keep your perception straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. Principle 48, awe is an inappropriate response to miracle. Awe should be reserved for revelation, which is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. So awe is perfectly and correctly the miracle on the other hand is a sign of love among equals another element of Christ's guidance in 79 this is because without Christ the distance between God and man would be too great for each of us to encompass. Bridges of the distance is an elder brother to man on the one hand and as the son of God on the other. Therefore, he can bring down 
to us more than we can draw down to ourselves. In principle 49, the Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Okay. Up there. And I guess I have a few moments to share, five minutes before the top of the hour. The floor is open. So good morning, everyone. This is Lori, and I'm just so glad to be back with you this morning, um, mostly because of the way we affirm each other and witness to the truth in each other, and um, because of that, um, I just want to say how enamored I am of paragraph 80. I can bring down more to you than you can draw down yourself on the vertical axis. And um, I read that this morning and uh, the words, or at least the introductory words of a favorite hymn popped up in my mind. It started with, Son of... Son of my soul, my Savior dear. Son of my soul, my Savior dear. Um, to me, that's um, an expression of what paragraph 80 is talking about. And I thought about another favorite quote, that your mind and mine can unite in shining the ego away and bringing the strength of God into everything you think 
and will and do. And um, and I'm just so grateful for Christ's control because it alleviates me of the need to decide to do anything ever and puts me in a position um, to receive from Christ's mind um, that which I'm called to do. And it's such an innate receiving that it seems just natural to do that thing um, that I'm called to do rather than um, an actual doing. It's almost as if it's done while I watch um, watch it being done. Um, the other thing I really love about that paragraph is um, we're told in the Bible that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, were it not for his example life, his demonstration that the love of God can be experienced in this life and, um, and experienced so fully as to demonstrate the eternal nature of the soul, were it not for that, um, the distance would indeed seem hardly more than a fable or um, a nice story. But the fact that he shares his experience in my awareness um, as the experience of love uh, validates and um, and proves the worthiness of my faith, the author and finisher, the beginning and the end, uh, that which uh, inspires, um, that which inspires me to remain faithful uh, to that life. Um, And by finisher, I think um, that statement from the Bible is perfectly in line with this Course in Miracles, that our whole problem here is a case of misidentification, identifying with the ego body illusion rather than identifying with the truth as we were created. And when I finally identify with the truth as I was created, I'm not a body, I am free, for I'm still as God created me. The eternal nature of my soul is revealed to me as the eternal truth. Once again, without son of my soul, that light that inspires my soul, the distance would have seemed too great. 
uh, for me to escape the ego dream of separation and would not have given me a context um, for the experience that Holy Spirit is always holding out the experience of revelation and um, without the Christ life that experience would have no context or frame of reference to um, to give it meaning I'm complete Thank you, Laurie. Welcome back. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. Can we uh, turn to you now, Charles, for uh, touching in with our lesson for the day? Shall I read the lesson and then the review, or just the review? Um, either way. Um, I Very good. Thank you. I'll start off with the lesson and go to the review. I see nothing as it is now. This idea obviously follows the two preceding ones. But while you may be able to accept it intellectually, it is unlikely that it will mean anything to you as yet. However, understanding is not necessary at this point. In fact, the recognition that you do not understand is a prerequisite for the undoing of your false ideas. These exercises are concerned with practice, not with understanding. You do not need to practice what you really understand. It would indeed be circular to aim at understanding and assume that you have it already. It is difficult for the untrained mind to believe that what seems to be pictured before it is not there. This idea can be quite disturbing and may meet with active resistance in any number of forms. Yet that does not preclude applying it. No more than it is required for these or other exercises. Each little step will clear a little of the darkness away. Our understanding will finally come to lighten every corner of the mind, which has been cleared of the debris that, darkness it, that darkens it. These exercises, which three or four practice periods are sufficient, involve looking about you and applying the idea for the day to whatever you see, remembering the need for its indiscriminate 
application and the essential role of excluding nothing. For example, I do not see this typewriter as it is now. I do not see this key as it is now. I do not see this telephone as it is now. Begin with these things nearest to you, then extend the range, and I do not see the coat rack as it is now. I do not see that face as it is now, and I do not see that door as it is now. It is emphasized again that while complete inclusion should not be attempted, specific exclusion should be avoided. Be sure you're honest in making this distinction. You may be tempted to obscure it. Thank you. Just have a moment just to let that simmer in. Thank you, Jesus. Review lesson nine. I see nothing as it is now. If I see nothing as it is now, it can truly be said that I see nothing. I can only see what is now. The choice is not whether to see the past or the present. It is whether to see or not. What I have chosen to see has, a cost, has cost me vision. Now, would I choose again that I may see? Amen. Lesson number nine. I see nothing that now. Thank you, Charles. Amen. And thank you, Charles. Hello. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. I, if I may share from the lesson, 
However, understanding is not necessary at this point. In fact, the recognition that you do understand is a prerequisite for undoing your false ideas. Um, my presumptions of what I see are keeping me in the dark. That's what I feel. It's being shared of what I presume. Um, yet by doing a statement of honesty, it helps me to be an P in honesty. Uh, a first step of readiness to be honest with myself. With that, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. This is Donna. Just as an interesting thing that I thought was interesting is in paragraph 79, as, uh, as we read that, there, there are actually four scriptures. Uh, John 14, uh, 16, I may have written that down wrong. John 10.30, John 5.30, and Genesis 1.26. But the very curious thing was where Jesus says, I and my Father are one, the original statement was, are of one kind, which I really thought, oh, cool. You know, so maybe that's in the original language. And I just thought, look at that. Jesus is interpreting scripture (laughs) as he perhaps heard it. And... um, I, uh, 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 miracles 44, 46, and 48, particularly, um, uh, particularly paragraph um, 79 of 48, I, I, I kind of, uh, when I look at this, when I look at what we're studying, <clears throat> uh, I, I put it in a way that, that I can live it. So I kind of took uh, liberty here, and um, starting with the miracle uh, 44, this is how I understood what 40, 
4 through 30, 30, 48 were saying to me, A miracle arises from a state of readiness and consciousness, which extends out to anyone, even without the awareness of the individual. Miracles in personal nature acknowledge the equality of all creation. The impersonal nature of miracles ensures grace to its highest efficacy. Miracle readiness requires willingness to listen, be attentive, to follow impulses, to go or be, and rest in faith because our brother and spirit do the work. I am complete. Amen. Thank you, Donna. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. That was really wonderful, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Let's stand up. This is Charles here. Miracle 47. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are essentials for listen, learn, and do. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last, only the last, the ability to do, is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which is be Christ-controlled. The other two, the first two, which are voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to me. Um, and as I say, as I'm doing these lessons and, uh, of self-honesty and self-inquiry and, and the willingness to, to uh, be honest and with myself, and honest to know what true vision is all about, then the ability for that will make itself available. Um, it's that really stood out. The first two steps are my choice. The last step is Christ controlled. I like that. Because my readiness and my willingness is uh, my desire to really uh, be honest. And I think the master, uh, the uh, teachers of manual has a section on honesty. One who is consistent with himself. Who as consistent in their thought, uh, uh, word, and action. Just uh, um, if I doubt myself, I am inconsistent and not being honest with myself. And as I apply these lessons, it teaches me what self-honesty is. Uh, I thank Jesus for his words and for his uh, 
guidance in what self-honesty is. With that, I'm complete. Amen. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Yeah. You rock. Love <laughs> you, Steve. This is, <laughs> this is Jessica. And what stood out to me this year upon this section, reading this today, was that I must keep my perceptions straight. And as we know, there are many, many places and many, many lessons that show us and teach us and invite us uh, how to keep our perceptions straight. The main one that right now I'm focusing on is to ask for guidance and ask Holy Spirit to show me, you know, how to see, what to see. And that's really the only, the only perception I can trust because, you know, if I only see the past and I don't see things as they are, then the, then the only true uh, perception is that of the Holy Spirit. And it behooves me to keep asking, Holy Spirit, you know, what, what do you want me to see here? Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was Jessica. great, Jessica. Beautiful. Thank you. Nice, Jessica. Thank you. Yes, I have, I'm, I'm loving the shares this morning. I have, um, you know, just rolling all these these miracle principles in together, you know, that I'm, I'm going to, to true authority for my guidance that, um, you know, that I trust and have faith in, that Christ will witness for me and I'll let him. I can't and he can and I'll let him, you know, that I don't know what what it is I'm seeing, you know, which these beginner's lessons are reminding me of, um, the way the ego perceives and um, how wrong and mistaken the perception is coming from a, a wrong and mistaken perception of an isolated, separate self. And, um, you know, the undoing of that is, is my my participation in the in this miracle working process. So, you know, right from forty three, it it talks about releasing me from a misplaced sense of my own isolation, sense of lack, and um, by affirming the sonship, you know, I'm restored, which is the state of completion and abundance. Um, you know, that's my changelessness, that God has given me everything, and Christ is going to help me to see that, even though I can't see it through the body's eyes, he'll help me to see it in my heart of hearts. Um, so my mind, I've chosen to be led by Christ in his service, service of the Holy Spirit, which Jessica referred to, and um, having that, you know, a number of people spoke about that, um, ready, willing, and able. Um, I love that. I'm ready um, because I put my 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 state of mind, um, beingness in in the oneness of the Christ mind, and and asking His direction, and asking Him to show me what I need to learn today, and that puts me in a state of grace. I just love that in 45 where He talks about that 
a miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his perfect love. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious to both me, the host within, my host to Christ, my being host to Christ, and the stranger without, who's no longer a stranger when I see him that way. He becomes my brother. And I love the way it talks about the um, touching many people that we can't, we don't even know, we can't even know. I just love that. That just blows my socks off. It really does. And that um, rolling right back to what Lori shared about, I'm not, I don't have to do anything that the acts, constructive acts of miracles are directed by him, um, the Christ in me. And, you know, that is what makes it um, easy peasy lemon squeezy. He's just, you know, he's he's dancing through me and acting, and acting, it's like letting God be God in me. It's just, um, you know, comes from a readiness to listen, from a still and tranquil mind and, and asking for guidance and, and be willing to learn what wonderful miracles he's going to show me today. So I'm just all down with this again today. Ergo, there I go again. Thanks for bringing me to a a loving place to share these truths. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Judy. Beautiful, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, everyone. Great share. Thank you, Judy. And I want to know, <laughs> and I really want to know what it's like to have nothing else but God. <laughs> Holy Jesus Christ, help me. <laughs> Amen. I'm wondering how you're doing, Lori. I know you had a procedure, and I was thinking this is the cure, and it's going to work. Hoping, praying, seeing you in wholeness. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. I'm learning a lot these days, yeah. Um, I especially love today's lesson for the release. Uh, that it uh, holds the potential for. Um, I especially enjoyed tiny little phrase, the untrained mind. <laughs> um, there's nothing like a bodily adventure to make the mind feel um, untrained. <laughs> Wild and crazy. And... Um, and and, uh, devoid of peace. But that's the beauty of today's lesson. I see nothing as it is now, as it is now, as it is now. And and I'll share something I talked about yesterday that brought it home for me. you know, this with this procedure, they're trying to knock out uh, four different nerves in my spine. And so they gave an injection of a very temporary anesthetic 
and then asked me to describe what I felt. And, uh, and, and for 59 minutes, I, I was without pain. It was really, really wonderful. But after that, um, they said, here's your, little, here's your little log, and here's the time intervals. We want you to write in the time interval and give a rating of your pain at every one of these intervals. So I did that real faithfully because this is part of the diagnostic procedure. You know, I tried, and the longer I tried, the more I noticed something really crazy. Um, you know, at 12.02, what's your level of pain? Well, at 12.02, um, I looked at my body and I said, okay, like the last minute, it was probably a 7. And I wrote that down. And and over the course of the day, I'm doing this all day long. And and, uh, and after a while, I got feeling dishonest. Because at the moment I was asked to give a number, I had to go search my body and find out what it was. I, I was the one going to search my body to find out what it was, asking my body to tell me how it feels. Well, wait now. <laughs> I got thinking. That's why I feel dishonest, because I'm always looking to my last moment's experience and then asking body to tell me. But that's not the way it's supposed to work, I thought. That's why I feel dishonest, because at any given moment, he says, the body doesn't really exist. It's always either remembered or anticipated. And pain is the same way. Oh. <laughs> knocked me over with a feather. Pain is the same way. It's always feared or anticipated as more fear. But at this moment, uh, everything's okay. You know? And that's why I was feeling, um, feeling just weird about the whole adventure. So, um, so here's, here's my thought. I have the power I, my mind has the power in any given moment to um, be free of the suffering that attends the experience of pain. It's the suffering that I fear. Um, and there's a whole host of things that uh, bodily pain induce you to fear. But wait now, at this moment, um, that doesn't have to be my experience. In other words, it revealed to me that I had a belief that pain is inescapable. And from that belief, I started to define what my experience is in an inescapable way. But the mind is always free to determine what it sees now. I can either... Uh, quote-unquote, see with my body's eyes, which is, which is an interpretive, uh, oh, here, let me go see and examine and look at all the little parts and see how they fit together and I can decide blah, blah, blah. Or I can, I can ask for an experience of truth. And every time I ask for an experience of truth, my mind learns what it means to be trained. And suddenly I discover, well, not so suddenly,
but through the through the successive giving up of how I see it and asking for truth, um, there's a big shift that goes on. And that shift is the idea that my belief in inescapable pain, that thought was defining my experience. That thought was defining my experience. And these lessons here, six through through ten, are all about that. I have thoughts based on my past experience that determine how I look at things or how I see things. And when I allow my thoughts to be changed by asking for truth, I learn that release from my inescapable beliefs is not only possible, but can be a present reality. In this moment, everything's fine. I'm complete, and that's freedom. Thank you, Lori. I feel... Go ahead, have others respond. Thank you, Laurie. That was just so inspiring to me. Thank you. Love where you demonstrated the miracle today of principle. When you place your hand self into the hands of a stranger and trust your instrument into their hands, and God gives you back the gift of recognition of how wonderful they have come through and helped you to examine your pain. And all of a sudden, you examined the, the form, the instrument, and found none. By following the instructions that our dear brother, whom helped you through that time, and did that self-inquiry, did you find your release? And it's truly a, a blessing to see a stranger become a friend whom you've entrusted yourself to. And I thank God for your willingness to be available or to receive the love through another. With that, I'm complete. Amen. Oh, you articulated it perfectly for me. Thank you, thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles, and thank you so much, Lori, for, um, you know, the way you rolled that out. It's so, it's familiar to me, and the truth is just self-evident there. Thank you for giving us that. Thank you, Jessica. I know you work with these ideas a lot. <laughs> so that's pretty precious. Thank you. You know, Laurie, what really yeah. helped um, uh, was when you, the part of your share where you compared it to how Jesus defines the body. It's either remembered, it's either anticipated or remembered, but it doesn't exist in, in here right now. That's so helpful in remembering the same thing about pain. It's either anticipated or remembered. 
In fact, my doctor and I had a conversation about uh, not so much the pain, but the fear of pain. And and that was um, really kind of giving the pain a false reality. So uh, that was really key for me. So thank you for that. Thank you, Lana. And you know, I'm, I'm going to add one thing. That um, what a ridiculous thing to say uh, to be grateful for this problem. <laughs> but when I recall that Holy Spirit teaches by contrast, I can look at the whole situation differently uh, in the light of listen, learn, and do. Uh, because every moment. I have a choice of how I want to see this and how I want to define the experience. If I define it as inescapable suffering, that will be my experience. But if I define it as an opportunity to learn um, something that my soul craves to know, um, that gives meaning to this experience that's a whole lot different than the idea of inescapable pain. Um, you know, I always say that if I can look and find the blessing, the blessing is something I can share. Um, but I have to look and find and listen for the blessing. And it always entails, for me anyway, it always entails giving up my own idea um, in exchange for truth. And that's why I don't know, even even in the midst of like really awful, I don't know, uh, still gives me a way out. It liberates me from my own um, thought that's making the situation seem so awful. Anyway, I'm complete. Oh, thank you. You know, another thought that helps me in that same way, Lori, is maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about everything. <laughs> Highly likely I am. (laughs) Thanks, Lena. This is Steve. Uh, Today's lesson talk, we don't necessarily know the extent of how the miracle can reach unknown people and places and things. And I've always felt like if I have a patient or a... But I'll pass. Thank you. Oh, go ahead, Steve. I think that was an important interruption. But, okay, that the extent of the effect of the miracle can go beyond what I can know. I've, I've been to seminars where doctors measure success of a practice based on the number of people seen or even the money, get, the, uh, these, these business managers. When actually, when I have an encounter, and it's not necessarily in the, in the chiropractic setting, but it could be in the supermarket or anywhere, or it could be by myself. 
that the extent of the miracle, it goes out into unknown. So, you know, I could see like maybe one patient, yet the, the, the measurement of success is I've, I've seen like billions of, of people in that, one, in that one adjustment. And the other thing... Uh, the other thing is that uh, I don't feel like I've retired, even though I closed my office, but I, my waiting room went from a little place on 2nd Avenue to the world. And I haven't started chiropractic uh, as different from what before I was a chiropractor because the idea of, of the original chiropractic, or healing, forget the word chiropractic, Healing has to do with the expression of God through us. That's the only, that's the only healing that has ever happened is it's from, the, from God. And you know, uh, God heals. I may collect the fee. It's a joke. But the point is, is that, that the retirement from practice, it never started. Because the unity with God is what real healing is, what I, I embrace. And the idea of getting rid of nerves that are bothering me has its place. Surgery has its place. I, being a recipient of a gifted accident where I've broken stuff, I was a recipient of care, medical care, uh, plates and screws put in, and thank God for that. But there's a difference along with that is that rather than, in addition to blocking a nerve, is the understanding that what's going on is the, not, the, not the ending of the problem, but the beginning of the solution or the continuation of the solution. As we sit here together, I am knowing that there is a constant healing going on and a vivification, vivifying the life-giving energy of healing that God is doing all the time as evidence from, a, from everywhere even these senses can be hoped. There is no feeling to the magnitude of this healing. And just with our microscopes, we understand that like billions and billions of functions are going on in each cell, and there's billions of them going on in, your, in my body. More connections in my actual tofu brain than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. We have no idea. This healing that is happening, sure, blocking nerves, blocking pain, has its place. I take ibuprofen if I need it. But at the same time, not to forget. Not to forget. Yeah, there's a place for subtraction. But the addition of new healing, loving power is going on in, in Lori's spine and in my pinky and in, in every tree and everything that I can sense. I'm complete. Oh, that was really beautiful. It brought me to timelessness, Steve. Thank you. Thank oh, you, that Steve. was Steve. Thank you so much. Wow.
What you remind me of, Steve, is it's the music that's played within the instrument, regardless of the shape of the instrument's in, that gives the sweetness to the music, that gives the uh, beauty and the, the relationship in which uh, the instrument is there to give rise to, regardless of uh, the shape of the state of which the instrument is in. Like the kids when they make instruments out of vegetables, where you find a, a twig on the ground and you wave it around, you hear this wonderful whispering wind that it makes. It's just the, the music, uh, the expression, the divine. And uh, the instrument, regardless of the state it's in, still plays the music that's deep within the heart. And it's truly uh, an honor to hear whatever state that may be. Thank you, Steve. Thank you all. That was beautiful, Charles. Well, thank you, Charles. This is Donna. Lord, when you were speaking, um, it's so interesting because um, you were talking, while you were looking at what you were, uh, what the world might call a problem, and you were looking at it in a different way, which reminded me of Principle A to Medicine Poetry, which says, problems are lessons designed for our edification. And to me, that's exactly what you said to me, and so you confirmed that. And um, I woke up yesterday and was led immediately to go and review the principles, one through as far as I could get. And I planned to make it really short, but that, that, that usually doesn't happen, and I give God the glory for that. I'm no longer blaming myself. But also, um, when you were speaking, I heard you say something about looking for. I don't, I, let's put it like this. The word, when I was, when I was um, looking at Miracle 16 yesterday, I was looking at it through the lens of my uh, understanding. And, and so the word sensitive, as soon as you were talking, the word sensitive popped into my head, and I said, oh, that's what Lori's saying. <laughs> so I had written, uh, for Miracle 16, I had written, miracles are everywhere. When we are sensitive to seeing miracles, we are spiritually affirmed, and joy filled and joy filled in that moment in time and uh, and I also uh, while you were having your little hiatus, I felt very very close to you for some reason in consciousness or con- and see conscious. Yes, perhaps, perhaps the consciousness, it, it can be a receiver. And um, 
And I even thought to myself, boy, is this why I'm having this day? Because I had a day of, of literally walking in miracles. It required me missing the fireside, but, you know, when God calls, you answer, and you do what you're led to do rather than what you might have thought you were being led to do. <clears throat> so I had this day. I had been thinking about getting my hair cut off for a while. And I went, about two weeks ago, I stopped. I, I, I saw one of those cost cutters or something in the mall. And I walked in simply to say, hey, has this place been here a long time? And this Deborah said, oh, yes, a very long time. So I told her about my idea. I'm getting my hair all cut off. And uh, because I had um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I went through chemotherapy, and as it turns out, 10 years ago, uh, I began chemo in, in, in 2013. So I've been, I've been um, celebrating the, my 10 years. And um, so yesterday, I left the house, and I had these experiences. I thought I'll go get my hair cut, but that's not what I, I did. First, I went to... <laughs> I just get in my car and I go. So I'm actually, you know, there's a song that says, rise up and follow me. That's because I'm solitary, so there's nobody I have to answer to. I get up and go. I put clothes on and go. But before I got there, it was like, go up to the stop and shop in East Lyme. So I went up to stop and shop in East Lyme and walked around. And I thought, oh, I'll go up to New London stop and shop. I I'll apply for a job. On the way there, I stopped at the cost cutter, went in and had my hair all cut off, as short as they can cut it with those clippers. And um, Debbie was there, so she cut my hair, and I had made a promise to her that I would come back, so I like to keep my promises. So after that, I get in the car. Okay, I'm going to go up to New London. At least I'll get the telephone number and maybe I can get a job. Just stop and shop up there. I go up there. I get out of the car and... Um, no, no, on the way I decide, oh, I'll go to the book barn. So I go to the book barn. Now, I know that I'm on miracle assignments. When, when, when I am led around, you know, like somebody's got the reins of my mouth and pulling me around like a horse, I, so I stop at the book barn. I pull right up next to a car that of uh, someone I know. And I go, oh, I'm, I'm going to see her. So I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, okay, we're having a we're divine meeting. So I went in the book barn. No, she wasn't in there. So I thought, hmm, what's going on here? Then I go ahead and go up to this shop, shop and shop in uh, New London, and I, I get the telephone number. I think about applying. I thought, oh, maybe I better not. And so I had, and I walked around in the store, meandering. And when I came out, I'm getting in my car, and this, I hear this voice say, oh, I like your license plate. And I'm thinking, well, that made me happy because nobody knows my license plate unless they know metapsychiatry because it's in Pagel. Dr. Hort, um, he's Assurance, Gratitude, Love, P-A-G-L. He, he, it's words he gives to the essence of the quality of heaven that we can live in while we're walking here. Sure enough, here's a perfect stranger that I meet, and we have this wonder, she's doing the course on a Zoom, the Course of Miracles, and also a student of metapsychiatry. But these kinds of things, that's what this 
this miracle 16, the way I interpreted it, I lived that day yesterday. And it was so extraordinary to really have, have that experience. And then they hear you, your voicing and your, and the way you speak, which is very beautiful and continues to give, uh, simpler words for my day. And I'm also uh, <clears throat> went to my oncologist, and she told me, Donna, I need to put you on some blood pressure medicine. And um, you know, if you don't if you don't agree. I'm, I'm sending you right over to the ER. <laughs> and my blood pressure sometimes runs in the three digits on both sides, and I've ignored it for about 15 years. So apparently, <laughs> this was God's will. So I grudgingly said, okay, you know, I'll do it with no intention of doing it when I left. But I, the Holy Spirit has been guiding and speaking and putting... Um, putting these vague things in my mind about that I might need to look at uh, doing something with my blood pressure, but I've ignored it. Uh, Because first of all, I don't even believe in the body, let alone that. But nonetheless, uh, I'm also no fool. So I thought, well, let me think about this. So it was seven days, but I did have to get some dental implants in between. I thought, I don't want to start that. And then you have to watch for all the side effects. So, like, and that's what reminded me of the blood pressure medicine because you described, uh, you know, I read the directions. You know, they tell you, you know, don't try, don't do this, don't do that. So I was very cautious, and it was the holidays, so I didn't have anything to do anyway. But what I observed was... This, this oncologist literally was God's vehicle to save my life because I had three other kinds of doctors tell me that in October I wouldn't be here in December of 2012. So, <clears throat> so I listened. So then when I kind of felt led that, yeah, take the first one, I did that and uh, was quiet and paid attention. And yes, I have some minor uh, side effects of it and they're kind of hanging on. But I noticed something. I noticed something that I was looking for problems, trouble, you know, because I refused to take blood pressure uh, about 12 years ago. So anyway, uh, I noticed, oh, gee, I seem to have more feeling in my fingers than I normally have in my fingers. And I thought, well, Matt, what do you know? And then I've had these things on my toes that haven't healed for five or six years. And all they're getting, they're they're improving. And it's so extraordinary. So everywhere in my physical being, my my consciousness is aware of improvement. Or my, I'm not sure whether it's my consciousness. Yeah, I guess it receives the messages and then it will say, oh, you're in danger or else the Holy Spirit, if you got the Holy Spirit, then your consciousness is actually also the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Uh, gives you messages with, I guess. And um, so I began to feel that over my entire body, and I thought, you know, yes, my body is, is different too, but I had places in my arms and, and certain <laughs> my chest where I would get these sticky, 
you know, hurting, and I'd go to my body work people, and they would work it out, and they would leave it. And all of a sudden, those things were, were dissolving. They were literally, these things are dissolving. So I'm saying, oh, okay, so perhaps I did have a little bit of impeded um, circulation because I feel a lot more vibrating. And that was the thing that, 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 that oncologist whispered in my ear. She said, but, you know, you can have a stroke. You know, and I'm a dynamic person, so uh, she probably knew that was the code word. <laughs> the only one that would consider me not screaming and falling on the ground and kicking up my heels and saying, I ain't going to do it. So now it's coming to me that once again she has saved my life. So she's a vehicle, from my understanding, she's the vehicle the Holy Spirit used to let me surrender my will to the will of our Father. So thank you, Lori, for telling us of your experience because it's so gratifying. We need the vehicle to be here, which is what I call my body. We need the vehicle for, the, for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit to, to accomplish the work of these miracles. And that's what I told Gwen in the parking lot. I said, Gwen, you and I don't realize it, but we are, Jesus is using the quality of our conscience right now to do untold miracles all over the world. <laughs> and she liked that because she was not having a good day. So I complete, thanks a lot for listening. God is so awesome. Oh, that's the correct one. Yes. Yeah, God is so awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, Donna, that was beautiful. Thank oh, you Thank so you, much. Donna. Thank you, Donna. Really love that. You are a dynamic. What a journey. (laughs) Thank you, Donna. How does the teacher of God spend her day? Just ask Donna. (laughs) I love it. Oh, dear. I'm going to sign off, you guys. This is Jessica. I had a wonderful morning, and I'm going to go to my yoga class now online. Thank you. I love you all. Thanks, Jessica. Love you. I oh, love you, Jessica. Thank, yes, you. thank, thank you. you. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you. Hey, I'm going to exit, too. I've got uh, an appointment coming up. So thank you for all your shares. Um, Much love. This is a good day to have a good day, so I'm going to leave you with that. Okay, take care. Bye. Bless. Bless you. God bless, Diana. Thank you. Thank you.
okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is just past, but, uh, hey, Lori, you happen to have some unused clothes laying around that you'd like to offer for this call? Oh, I do. I do. I'll tell you what's really meaningful to me today. Lemoyne, it's from um, from chapter 14, The Test of Truth. You cannot be your guide to miracles, for it is you who made them necessary. And because you did, the means on which you can depend for miracles has been provided for you. God's Son can make no needs his Father will not meet if he would turn to him ever so little. Yet he cannot compel his son to turn to him and remain himself. It is impossible that God lose his identity, for if he did, you would lose yours. And being yours, he cannot change himself, for your identity is changeless. The miracle acknowledges his changelessness by seeing his son as he always was and not as he would make himself. The miracle brings the effects which only guiltlessness can bring and thus establishes the fact that guiltlessness must be. Do not be concerned about how you can learn a lesson so completely different than everything you tell yourselves. How would you know? Your part is very simple. You need only recognize that everything you learned you do not want has to be taught and do not use your experiences to confirm what you have learned. When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, I do not know what anything, including this, means, and so I do not know how to respond to it, and I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. By this refusal to attempt to teach yourself what you do not know, the guide whom God has given you will speak to you. He will take his rightful place in your awareness the instant you abandon it and offer it to him. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Thank, Thank you, everyone.